I had some like blood test taken not long ago just to like they wanted to like make sure um, if anything because I, I my biological mother like died of a heart thing. They wanted to make sure that I'm not showing any like signs of anything predisposed to heart stuff. So uh, that was good to get things back negative and to see that the only thing that they want me to take is like an iron supplement. So that's not. I take an iron supplement. Do you? I do. I've taken it for years. For like, since I was like 23, I've taken iron every day. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I and I, I feel like um, I exercise enough to where like, I think my uh, iron has to do with like blood circulation, right? Uh, yeah. And it has to do with like, it has a lot to do with diet. Do you eat like a really like on the side of vegetarian vegan kind of diet. I don't know how you usually eat. I don't eat meat. You so don't that, eat Yeah. I'll yeah, do it. That like is what gave, I was a really serious vegetarian, almost vegan. And I gave myself like a wicked iron deficiency and I was mm. scared. And now I just have like taken iron every day for years. And it's great. Well, that'll explain it. So yeah. Joe now she, takes iron too. Cause of me. We both. Oh, wow. <laughs> Jeez, having some influence. Yeah, I mean, I eat fish, but that just has, you know, just a bunch of mercury in it. <laughs> you need um, iron-rich foods like spinach and, like, if you don't eat meat, obviously, but, like, red meat, um, things like that. But you can take a supplement and it works. I eat spinach in my salads that I have almost every day, but not a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, I don't think, I think you'd have to eat, like, a bag of spinach, like, every day. That's stupid. I'm not trying to be Popeye, so. You'll see colors, you'll see yellows and greens. The aperture closes, but you will not take it with grace. The blackness will slap you with its mouth. I'm no longer afraid of the light in my face. The light in my face. I spent years trying to remember what it said about Hello and welcome to the EduPunks Podcast. This is your host, Craig Biderman. I am here once again bringing you a conversation with an everyday educator and a daily disruptor in the world of education. Today I'm chatting with someone who works in higher education, like me, and is also a musician, like me. We play uh, very different types of music, but hey, I'm here to showcase all types of folks in this world of education and all types of musicians as well. Today, I'm chatting with Francesca Olsen of the band House Sparrow, who's releasing a brand new album this week on Sounds and Tones Records. Very excited to share more of their, to- uh, more of their tunes this week. And we get to chat a whole lot about uh, Francesca's job at the Massachusetts College of Liberal Arts, all the way across the other side of Massachusetts. Uh, uh, Francesca does a lot of work with social media, digital citizenship, and giving students the power in how to craft and create useful social media tactics uh, uh, at the university level. So you get to hear a whole lot about Francesca's work, which is really great. Kind of an extension of a social media conversation we had a few weeks ago with Matt Nazario Miller. So if you've missed that conversation, maybe go back. Check that one out too. Nice little companion episode here. Now, 
Thanks to everyone who enjoyed last week's conversation with Xavier Pastrano. Had a little bonus episode. Hey, maybe y'all enjoyed our chat about vinyl as well. Uh, uh, Xavier's selling a bunch of his records right now as that conversation um, uh, explained a little bit. But if you want to check him out, there are links in the show notes and you can get in touch with them. Uh, otherwise, please tell your friends, rate, subscribe, review, tell folks uh, that you you like listening to this. If you do like listening to this, I don't know why you would be listening if you don't. But iTunes, again, the iTunes app has made it super easy to review podcasts in that podcast app. It's pretty sweet. I do it all the time when I'm listening to the many podcasts that I listen to every week. So if you have a couple of moments, just take take uh, take your thumb and maybe scroll over some stars for us or leave us a little review. That'd be tight. That'd help us out. If you want to follow us on social media, go to at edupunkspod, E-D-U-P-U-N-X pod, and you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter. And I'm not going to delay any more of this conversation with Francesca Olson, so let's get into it. And you watch as the sun slides down across a pond somewhere, alone in your heart with the world sound raining down on you, alone in your heart with the world sound raining down on All right, so I am sitting digitally with my friend Francesca Olson. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. Good. I'm yeah. glad. How are things over in Western Mass? They're nice and quiet and gentle. Was it randomly really warm for you guys today, too? Yeah, it's been pretty warm here. It's October. Yeah, it is. It's a little unacceptable. I'm... Yeah. When... I'm when, ready, when, I'm ready when, to wear a sweater again. Like, I'm from Oregon. <laughs> right now is flannel time. Like, October through, uh, like, into February is flannel time. I need to be wearing my flannels right now, and I'm not. I'm in, like, shorts and a t-shirt. Yeah. I don't get this. Um, it is not hot like this. I have not, I'm not even enjoying it. No, and it was, like raining and like storming just last week i don't i don't get it i don't get what's going on with the weather right now oh well well i wanted to chat with you for a number of reasons that we're gonna get to but first why don't you tell folks a little bit about who you are and what you do and where you come from cool um i am named francesca blake olson and currently I live in North Adams, Massachusetts, and I am in a band called House Sparrow. And we have a record out on October 20th called Eat Honey, Taste Mud. And I'm from New York. I was born in Manhattan. And, oh. Uh, I, what else? I run social media and digital marketing at Massachusetts College of Liberal Arts, which is the Commonwealth's only public liberal arts college. Yay! Public school kids. Public school kids. Well, yeah, public university kids. I guess public yeah. kids because it's Mass College of Liberal Arts or MCLA. Yeah. 
I like that because I mean I work for the only. You work for like, UMass Boston, right? UMass Boston, the only true public school, like public college in Boston. And then there is the only public art school in the country is in Boston, and that is Mass Art. Yeah. I love Massachusetts, man. I'm so glad I'm here. It's great. Yep. For as much uh, private education as we have, we have a lot of kick-ass public schools, too. So (laughs) to a public college, and I feel like public education is great. And so I'm happy to work there. It's nice. Where did you go to college? I went to SUNY New Paltz in New in the state university system in New York. That's upstate, right? Yeah, it's like well, it depends on who you ask. It's not really <laughs> upstate. It's in the Hudson Valley, um, which is like an hour and a half or two hours from New York City. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Katie and I were ju- literally just in Manhattan like last week. Oh yeah, we- you went to see Chris Chris Gethard, right? Yeah, the Chris Gethard show. That's awesome. It was so cool. And we just did like a quick overnight trip and just came right back. (laughs) That's my favorite mode of traveling is like really quickly like that. Oh, yeah. And I mean, you're going to be doing some of that traveling soon, but we're going to get to that a little bit later. Um, But what got you working in higher education? I was a reporter and editor for like six years. I graduated from college and I had always wanted to be a journalist. So I did become one and I worked at a bunch of newspapers, but I really was not, I wanted, I found myself like getting a little older and wanting to volunteer and like wanting, I was working four to midnight and I wanted to have like Saturday nights back for instance. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like, it's hard when you're a journalist, I think to be an active member of a community and like do much citizenship kind of stuff. And that means a lot to me. And it was something I was really wanting in my life. So also I would love to have, I wanted to make more money, obviously. So, um, who doesn't? Yeah. Who doesn't? (laughs) So I looked around for, writing heavy or social media heavy kind of marketing jobs for places that I could stand marketing for. And I worked at Williams for a little while and then I got my job at MCLA and I live like down the street from the college. So it's pretty great. Nice. And it's funny, like you went from Williams, you know, the top. Yeah. A very liberal liberal arts college and the top in the nation again. Yeah. Yeah. To like, the public (laughs) liberal. Can you talk about the transition there? Like working from those two different institutions? Um, Okay. Well, just like stark facts, the communications office at Williams is 14 people and my communications office is two. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's the same size. Williams has about 2000 students. MCLA has fewer than that, maybe 16, 1700. So we're doing, you know, we have 20 academic departments and like 80 programs that you can choose from. So that's a lot for two people. I think mm-hmm. it's really hard. We just did some strategic planning at MCLA, which I was part of. I co-chaired one of the, the strategic planning task forces. Higher ed is, listen to this, listen to this. But you work in higher ed, so you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Strategic plan. So like there's um, everybody's like the marketing department should have resources for us. Like we need this and like everybody understands and the importance of it. And so that's good. And like, we work really hard. We have a totally different structure than Williams said. And we do the 
the public college alumni office and development stuff were not very involved in. And like at Williams, I wrote the social media strategy for like their big capital campaign that they're underway now with. Mm-hmm. So that's different. Hmm. What? Uh, so, I mean, I've written some social media, like marketing plans and strategies and whatnot. What do you try to focus on or have schools focus on when it comes to um, creating something like that? I try to be really basic about it. I think like, it, I feel like this is going to make me sound really lame, but I'm <laughs> confident in this approach. I feel like it's very tempting all the time, as especially as a social media person, to want to be constantly, constantly innovating and like using brand new things and like doing brand new crazy things. But like, you have to meet your audience where they are on what they use and talk to them in a way that they will relate to. And like all the innovating in the world isn't going to work if you're not doing that. So like Mm -hmm. our students look at Facebook for announcements and stuff. So like we're going to use Facebook to announce campus news, like of course. Um, But when I'm writing like a big strategy, I'll usually start, with best practices there's mcla social media best practices that are just like we work as a team um this is the tone that we kind of think about talking and like we want to retain individual identity but like let's remember like that this is our mission like access and affordability we should think about and we shouldn't be posting like off mission so i do a lot of i'm a writer so i have like a lot of narrative about like this is like the tone and shape that this is going to take. And of course you have hashtags. And then there's just like engagement is always so hard. Um, for students, I think it's a little easier because they're, they're, I don't want to say a captive audience, but they're on campus and they care about what's happening on campus way, way more than just like me in the neighborhood or like me and you're trying to sell something to me. So like you can reach them in that way. Um, I forget what I, where I started with this. Oh, <laughs> yeah. uh, making things basic, like starting like with plans, like kind of basic ideas. Yeah. So basic um, ideas like that, basic ideas like this is our budget. This is who we're expecting to reach with like this paid advertisement. Um, I'm trying to think back at the Williams social media strategy. What else I wrote? Who will do what? Like just like the basic responsibilities, um, mm-hmm. like that kind of planning and like like the teaching of like, we're going to write with brevity. These are points that we're going to hit. Like, this is what we're going to ask people to do. And it's going to be a very specific, easy ask. Like those kinds of things I feel really strongly about. And I believe in doing over like, like, Oh, Snapchat's got a new thing. Let's just like post to that or like tell people to post to that. Like that's cool. But um, your point is to communicate college stuff. So like you can be communicating it pretty simply across many channels like that. Yeah. And I mean, it makes a lot of sense what, what you're talking about and in the, the terms that I actually end up using uh, on my campus and in my experience, because I've kind of often been the one that people go to, to talk about social media stuff for, for UMass Amherst, where I was for grad school and now at UMass Boston, uh, where I end up kind of like, um, I almost feel like a Debbie Downer sometimes because I'm such a downer. I'm like, that's not going to work. This like, sorry, (laughs) 
<laughs> exactly. And I, I, I go, I feel like I come in and they're like, we have these big, this big idea. And I'm like, well, like if you don't have the time or people to make that work, yeah, it's going to fall flat on its face. I could never, I could never in good conscience at like a small school where people managing those pages are doing other things all the time and are so busy be like you are responsible for making three to five pieces of original content like no we're in like a share cycle you have to keep your page not dead but like I understand this is not your job and like I'm here for you and like if you want to get five people together for me to do a little video of like I'm totally here for that but it's hard like I don't want to be like this is a responsibility and goal like that's my responsibility um, like yeah. the rest of it is a support network that like shows that we're an active, vibrant, cool place to be. But like, I can't be like student affairs supervisor. You do this now too. Like that's my job. Yeah. And when, when you were at Williams, were you working for just a college or a department or were you managing with like the university level? University level. And now you're running the university level at MCLA, correct? Yeah. Yeah. My boss is the director of communications. Um, and we okay. just really closely together. But how it's split is I'm I'm mostly on the digital side and she's mostly on like the the general marketing and like press release and um, media relations kind of stuff. Okay, cool. And this was not necessarily what you were expecting to get into when you wanted to start doing journalism, oh correct? God. Yeah, definitely not. Like, I didn't have, I graduated, I'm so old, Craig. I graduated in 2000. You're only, hey, you're only a year older than me. But we're so old. Yeah, <laughs> why? It's sad. Um, as a as a woman, I worry. I'm like, oh my God, 31. That's like, oh. So, um. <laughs> Anyway, in 2008, when I graduated, there wasn't news on Facebook. Like, Facebook didn't have news. You still posted to each other's walls. Like, um, I don't think Twitter was – Twitter was invented, what, 2007, 2008? I'm going to – I, I want to say 08. Um, and so, like, that wasn't a journalistic thing. But then working at the Eagle – worked at the Berkshire Eagle for like a year, mainly I was food editor and I did like a column uh, where I interviewed local farmers every week. And uh, I did a lot of video and social and stuff for that. And I like supported the social media editor on weekends. And I learned a lot like, and I, before that I had served accounts for another newspaper that I worked at. So I got to learn like as it evolved and that's cool. Um, that was really yeah. interesting. But also, like, now I'm like, oh, holy shit, there's, like, this is my life. Like, this is my bread and butter and my life, and I'm, like, always on Facebook. For sure. Like, social media has changed the entire way we consume everything. Twitter was invented March 21st, 2006. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, that That was my senior year of senior year of high school. Yeah. And so it's ridiculous, but I don't think it was, it didn't reach the level that it was like a big level until like, oh, eight. I think that's when it really seeped into the mainstream. Like, oh, eight, it, everybody our age was living 
through it, certainly. Yeah. And then by like 2010, yeah. our parents were. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And what, but what we've seen is that how social media has really become this go-to for news and for information. And especially with college students, they're... Uh, if it's not email, the first thing they're going to look for, like a school canceling or uh, school news, is they're going to the Twitter feed. Oh, yeah. Or they're going to the Facebook page. I love that. Thank you, MCLA students, for checking for news on our social media and for using it and for tagging <laughs> comments when you see photos. Anytime there's a photo of any student up there, somebody's friend is like, Yeah, this person, you're famous. Oh. Aw, that's so great. Um, my campus has started doing uh, like features of students, like doing cool things. I hooked up some of our students. There's a Humans of the Berkshires that's run by Berkshire United Way. And I hooked up a bunch of our students to be on that a few months ago. And that's gone well. That's nice. That's awesome. Yeah. I was actually featured as a faculty or a faculty member on our like social media feeds because of like students always see me running on campus basically. So they had well, our, our communications people had me like say a few things about like why I like running a, along the peninsula, the, the ocean and stuff. Uh, so it was, it was cool. Little piece of little piece of marketing, I guess. But, um, but now students are always like, Hey, you're the guy that runs. I'm like, yeah. Hey, I have a I'm question running for you. Yeah. Um, if you run at work, do you shower or do you just like, like chill out for the rest of the day? I go to the gym at around noon, like two or three times a week and I just don't shower. I just do. (laughs) No, this is good. So I tend to either run, uh, so if I run in the middle of the day, I will shower because I get pretty sweaty, Mm -hmm. but I've actually been saving a lot of my running for at the end of my day. Oh, um, so you can just go home when you're done. Yeah, so I just go home. I'll hop on my bike and then go home. Cool. Um, but when I go to the gym, I don't get terribly sweaty as much as I do when I ride my bike. So um, I'll I'll be able to just like if I was if I am a little bit sweaty, I kind of I have a to- I have a towel that I take back and forth from home so it doesn't get too stinky and I'll just like towel off a little bit. But I, this is a little inside scoop as an exerciser that's always at work and always cycles to work. I keep about three pairs of pants in my office at all times and about four shirts, like dress shirt, like work shirts. Yep. It's in a couple drawers and hangers in my, in my office. So, uh, (laughs) thing in my office that nothing's in like a big giant file cabinet i should put some clothes in there yeah i think it's a good life hack and i keep uh pairs of socks and underwear in my office as well just in case you never know (laughs) i actually i also keep my work shoes at work Hmm. because because i wear my like i cycle in wearing like running shoes or whatever and then i just change shoes when i get to work well, that's a good idea. I like it. Yeah, that's I a good idea. I was pretty proud of myself when I figured out that little hack. <laughs> what you got going on over there? <laughs> oh, me? Oh, no, I just got up to close the door. 
<laughs> oh, cool. Um, so what have you, what do you feel like you've learned doing, uh, the sort of social media work either on the marketing side or even like how students are developing like digital citizenship, mm-hmm. uh, uh I online. Always, I always do like, I speak to classes fairly frequently. MCLA is very nice in that it is about like one of our like values deeply is about service. And so like all of the students there are ready to do community service and take community service for granted as just like something everybody should do, which I think that is beautiful. Um, Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of thought and intention around things. And I think that for the most part, our students are very thoughtful and intentional about things like that. So I always like, I, it's varying, like frequent, like sometimes I'll go to class, talk about the record label, whatever. But like, if I'm going to talk about social media, the last couple of times I've done, like, let's check in about this. Like, how do you feel about being the first people who have grown up with this? Like they've only known this, this has only ever been there, mm-hmm. which is fascinating, fascinating to me. And I'm also like, I'm doing market research on you right now. Raise your hand if the, you use these platforms. Like, how many of you? <laughs> so they all love Instagram. They all love Facebook. Yep. Some of them are way into Twitter. I would say, like, a third of them are like, oh, I love Twitter. And the other ones are like, I don't get it. I don't get it. And they all use Snapchat, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. But we talk about – I printed out some notes about digital citizenship. We talk about, like – how does it feel to be in this cacophony of ugliness all the time? Like it is it, it like you've seen a Facebook feed. I'm not going to be cute about it. Like um, it's nice to see my friends news and updates, but like, Oh goodness gracious sometimes. Um, <laughs> and so how does it feel to do that? And how do you work to be like a good person and a good citizen on the internet and like what are some ways that you can foster dialogue and like stand up for other people and create space for other people in a respectful useful way and there's always like they always have such thoughtful answers one girl told me once um she started a tumblr for a research project she was collecting stories about sexual assault i believe on her tumblr and it turned into just a space for people who are victims of or affected by sexual assault to like come together and share their stories and like really think about that and like heal a little bit and be and have it be such like a beautiful cathartic thing and that's like a side effect of this research project but I love that I think that's a perfect example like oh here is a beautiful safe space to do this and it's helping people and it's useful um and it like adds no ugliness and like isn't annoying in the world <laughs> yeah that's wonderful it sounds similar to the uh nonprofit i started that shares about sexual assault stories it's that's wonderful that they created a space like that isn't that awesome I yeah that. and it's touching like it's touching to think that like i think especially the college students in the world. Like I'm not old. I'm still like in the millennial generation and I'm as mad as anyone that people keep writing stupid articles about how we're like ruining the napkin industry. But I think more than anyone college students today 
get the brunt of that kind of attitude. And it's so Mm -hmm. to see that like, actually, no, these are really thoughtful, intentional, respectful human beings. So good. Mm -hmm. Um, That that are, that are for the most part making good decisions online. Yeah. Um, Like no better than to do something really, really dumb, at least socially. I think like, it depends like we, if we're talking about like phishing scams or something else, like it's a different conversation, but like at least socially, they're like pretty respectful and awesome. All right. So we're going to take a quick break from this conversation with Francesca Olson to bring you uh, some information about half access. Remember a couple weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago, maybe at this point when I had Cassie Wilson, the founder of half access on the podcast. Well, if you don't, you should go back because it's a really fun, lively conversation about music and venue accessibility. Well, half access is already expanding a whole bunch and it's already uh, encapsulating a whole bunch more states than when it first started with just Oregon and a couple others. You can help out. Contact half access at halfaccess.org. Go to contact and reach out and say what venues and what state you can help out with. This organization allows disabled folks to have a voice in accessibility at concert venues so that they can go to concerts and, ex- and experience the same music we all love at the same uh, accessibility as able-bodied folks. If you want to help, go to halfaccess.org. That's H-A-L-F-A-C-C-E-S-S dot org and find out how you can become part of this organization and help the, the progress that they're already making in accommodating disabled folks at concerts. Go to halfaccess.org today. All right, let's get back to this chat with Francesca Olson. Now, let's talk about your music. Okay. You, you have performed solo for a while. Yeah, I was in a two-person band called My Rifle when I was like, finishing college for a couple of years. And then I was solo performer for almost two years. And then now for the last one year, I have been a two person band again. Yeah. You added a drummer and, but only recently you added a band name to it all. Yeah. House Sparrow. House, House Sparrow. What, what prompted bringing in a, a name now? And I think I, I, I assume it coincides with the new album coming out. Uh, yeah, it does. So, okay. Here's, also, quick note, um, Joe plays a microcorg and a bass synth and a kick drum and sleigh bells. So he's sort of a drummer. And, but oh, wow. Player. Yeah. It's good. I guess so I didn't – I guess I didn't put all of that together. <laughs> and it's always changing. Like, we're always changing our stuff, which is fun. Um, keeps it really interesting. Anyway, sorry. Um, so we are House Sparrow because before I was playing as my name, Francesca Shanks, but – I got divorced and my name is now Francesca Olson and it's weird (laughs) as like your ex-husband's name. uh, Also, it's weird to, for me, I think other people do it fine, but it's weird for me and for Joe to, to be playing as two people under one name. And I would have to explain it like at the beginning of every set. So we were like, no, like this is time. We're going to change the band name. And we have had a million conversations about it over the last year. We're both like really nice, humble people. And they're like, no, I don't care. Whatever. You don't care. So, but like, like we're not in it. We don't care as much about the name. We just like to play. But, um, 
So we needed to do it. So we were thinking, we started thinking about it on our tour this past May. And we kicked around some names and we, I finally like just looked up Northeastern birds and was like, Joe, what about this bird name? What about this bird? What about this bird? I have two bird tattoos that are pretty big on my back. Um, and I like birds. So um, House Sparrow was one that we both liked like at a medium amount. And then I looked up what the house sparrow is and it's North, the most common bird in North America. And it's not native to here. It came here from Mediterranean region and both Joe and I uh, come from people who came here from that region. And uh, it is not a bird that lives in a natural habitat. It's like a pigeon. It like eats human garbage to live. And so mm-hmm. like it's perfect like that. That's such a motif for like a lot of what I write and sing about and it like ties to who we are and like where we come from. So we were like, fine, that's it. That's we're done. So that's why. (laughs) I like that reasoning a whole lot. (laughs) It seems like it fits. uh, It fits pretty well. And I think it's good, especially even for like a two person uh, band, because there's a, uh, a lot of two person bands popping up these days. Yeah. Uh, oh my God. It's so it's a joy. I love, have you heard of Y Oak? Of course. I love that band. Oh, I love that band. We're They're on tour the same week we're on tour this month. And I'm so sad because I would have seen them if not. Oh, I just did a big old vinyl giveaway and Y Oak Civilian was one of the albums we gave away. That's a great album. It's a fantastic album. Yeah. I, love I love it. They're so good. The new one that's just like mostly the the female member of that band mm-hmm. is so good too i love that it came out last year right yeah it did yeah like, last year yeah i like that one a lot um one of my favorite two-person bands this is a little bit of tangent is called uh the 68 or 68 mm-hmm. um it is josh scogan from the band the chariot <laughs> Uh, the hardcore band, The Chariot, and it's literally just a two-person hardcore band, cool. and it is chaos. You but loud AF. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've only been—I can say that I've only been truly inspired at three concerts that I've ever witnessed, and one was the first time I saw Touche More live. The f- other time was the first time I saw. The second time I saw Envy, the Japanese like post rock band and then the third time was when i saw 68 and they just destroyed everyone and we're like what those two dudes just tore down this house like what is going on <laughs> it was mind-blowing to me enjoy yeah oh man sorry i love i love going to live music it is one of my favorite things in the world so much i grew up on shows and i just love it so good and as as someone who works in higher ed all day isn't it a great release to just go to a gig yeah it is it's really nice like um i haven't gone to anything big in a while but even like a local hometown thing it's just so nice to be like ah this is i feel so good in that environment i feel like really that's like a really homey environment for me was 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 gig life or going to gigs or putting on gigs a part of your undergrad at all? Oh, yeah. I've been, like, okay. I grew up in 
uh, Mount Vernon and then Poughkeepsie, New York. So like on the train line, on the Metro North line to New York. And so like starting 15, 16, I would go to the city to see shows all the time, like all kinds of shows, punk shows, weird shows, big, like I saw like Kings of Leon once too, like, um, like Hmm. big arena shows. Um, and in Poughkeepsie, there's a really healthy music scene, like a big pop punk and hardcore and indie scene. Mm-hmm. And I volunteered and like moved tables and shit. I've, uh, I ran a zine called Read It Now for like a year and a half in Poughkeepsie that had like 1500 readers and printed like my mom would like print it out at work for me. Um, I had and I lived at the Chance Theater in Poughkeepsie. And, like, Polish clubs and stuff later when those same kids who were booking at The Chance and who had bands started booking elsewhere. And, like, I dated band guys, of course. Um, so, like, that was my whole social life from, like, the time I was a little teen to now. So longer, I'm 31 now, and I got really into it when I was, like, 13, 14. So the majority of my years alive, definitely. Dang. And this is kind of skipping ahead a little bit, and then we'll get back to the other stuff I wanted to talk about, but I feel like the inn is perfect. How is it building or or creating a good space, a good scene in Western Mass? Oh and it God, seems like... Awesome. <laughs> oh my God, it's the best. It's the... <laughs> oh, it makes me so happy. It makes me believe the little things in life, you know? Like, mm-hmm. so I work as part of the steering committee for sounds and tones records, which has like six or seven artists around the East coast. I do marketing and we book here. We primarily book local shows here and we book like a lot of hardcore sharp tooth is coming next weekend or something. Um, Sharp tooth. Yeah. Oh shoot. Uh, Katie's a Katie's friends with their lead singer. So cool. That's such a cool band. I have a lot of respect for her. Um, so like many different kinds of bands, we book a lot of folk. Uh, I just co-ran a show with Simon Joyner, who's like one of the best folk musicians alive right now. So it's wonderful a to bring music like that to like have any hand in bringing music like that, whether it's like, Oh, I printed out handles for you or like I'm here doing background or like I learned how to run lights this year. So I ran lights at a show or two. Like, um, I love that. I love DIY. I love the spirit of that. I love like how strong headed it is and how like rejecting it is of like the made to buy kind of culture. Um, and I love like, sometimes you throw shows. I had an album released last year and I worked really hard. I got the whole, I got, we book in a main street space in North Adams called design lab that the college owns. And it's like a community space. If you live here, you can book it usually. Um, and so I got the whole gallery. There wasn't a show up in there so I could decorate it with like various temporary stuff. So I like spent the whole day doing that. And I worked so hard to like get the word out about the show and like 30, 35 people came and it was so good. Like it looks packed in that little space. It's always so touching when people show up and like, you're so worried, mm-hmm. like people are there and it's time to start. And because of marketing and stuff and nobody else there, I don't, maybe they're all too shy. I don't know. But like, I'm the one to go up to the mic and be like, okay, the show's starting. Everybody <laughs> my hands. And then like, I read our upcoming shows 
And I'm like, half the time there's free vegan chili because we'll make vegan chili for bands who are touring. And so it's so nice to be like, here we are in this nice, like, little collective space together. I'm so happy to bring, like, it just, it makes me so happy. It makes me, like, mm. um, it is such a beautiful thing to create meaning and context in a world where so much meaning is made for us and pushed to us. And it means so much to me to have a hand in doing that and to show other, often much younger people that, like, yes, you can just actually go ahead and do it. Like, you don't need a middleman to do any of this stuff. It's so great. God, that sounds so... Uh, it makes me remember I my days... really about it. <laughs> no, it makes me remember my days planning concerts back in Oregon. Had a whole bunch of fun doing that. I miss it. I miss it a lot. It's so but, fun. Uh, you're like, oh, this is the worst. But like... For the most part, yeah. it's so good. Like when it works. There's so much. There's so, so much stress. There's so yeah. much stress into booking and putting on gigs that when people are there and you're just like people who show up early too, you're just like, oh, you just couldn't wait to come. Um, At Simon so, Jackson, the first two people were a young girl, like a 14 year old girl and her dad. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> So that's good. awesome yeah. that's so sweet um a couple weeks ago i got to play in lowell mass um at lowell. uncharted well it's got a cool music scene yeah and uncharted is a super cool place and it was a gig where i like somehow i was lucky enough to get on a gig opening for one of the guys from modern baseball and when we pulled up it was an hour or so before the gig was supposed to start and this little art space was just packed and i was like shit (laughs) already (laughs) and uh so when i walked up to the mic to like sound check even i was just like super nervous i was like there are already so many people here this is so great congrats lol you did a thing this is great uh um so, now, when we're recording this, you're about to hit the road for a tour. Yes. But you've been able to tour, you've been able to tour a little bit. How do you make it work uh, as a full-time professional and musician? So, um, I am, first of all, my job is really awesome and nice about it. And they're like, oh, are you going on tour? Where are you going? They're like interested and tolerant and supportive in a beautiful way. I really like the people I work with and my managers. So that's good. Also, I work for the state, so I get a lot of vacation needs, which is great. Yes. But um, that's how I take my vacation days is to tour. And I always do, I try to do it really strategically. Obviously I'm never going to go out the first week of the fall or spring semester. That's insane. Uh, summer is a good time. I went like May right after commencement, like right as things were winding down. It was a perfect time to go. Making it a holiday weekend, like this time I'll go and we'll play Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then Monday is Columbus Day and drive home. Like if you can pair up a holiday, like you get an extra day out of it, it's easier. Um, There's less work around it. So that's a good way to play with your schedule. And also like, you just need to send a hundred booking emails a day, every day. <laughs> oh man, that's real. 
Oh, geez. And yeah, because I'm... Emails, I'm... The one guy that says no and the one guy that says maybe, you'll get a shot. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Goodness. Yeah, because I'm definitely needing that, needing to hear that kind of advice because I'm hoping to like book something for the spring and definitely in the summer next year to try to get out there a little bit more. Um, I don't know why more people don't talk about this, frankly. I feel like a lot of people are like, if I say how I do this, people are going to know and then they're going to use my strategy to get famous. But like, it's not, it's not a race or a contest. So no. And I really like, like I have Google Docs about touring and about sending blog pitches and stuff that I've shared with, oh, tens of people and like listeners happy to share them with you as well. Like that's just nice (laughs) to have that kind of stuff. Like I feel like that's very DIY too. Like all those shared lists and blogs and recommendations, like, yes, it's okay. We can help each other. That's how we make community, right? That's how we get, that's how we build good strong futures for the music scenes by supporting each other and um i'm really thankful to be in like the boston like emo garage ish scene right now is really supportive really loving yeah i'm really thankful to be here right now we love playing in boston we went i just played at club to see him uh oh yeah Firefest and that we like officially changed our name while we were on the stage up there and they're so nice like anytime I've gone to Boston it's been super super nice and cool friendly yeah yeah because we got to cross paths just what in April and it was really great and I got your seat a couple of your CDs and one of Brian's CDs uh, it was a really fun night that was a really fun night I love that that um O'Brien's in Austin right that's awesome mm-hmm. yeah uh, yeah, I love it there. I think I sent an email like the next week to be like, I would like to play there again. And they were like, well, you can't for the year, but email us back. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I went later. Oh, good. Well, uh, let me know. and Maybe we can book something together. <laughs> uh, so tell me about this new album that's coming out. Uh, when this airs, it'll be coming out this week. Tell me about this new album. Um, okay, so it is called Eat Honey, Taste Mud. It's 11 songs. Um, it, I, I don't know how I feel. I'm really, I guess I'm really excited. I try not to be too self-congratulatory um, about this stuff. Like, almost to the point where it's, like, annoying. Like, you can say you did good. It's Okay. Um, you can be proud of the art you made. It's okay. And like bust your ass to make Francesca. It's okay. I am really proud of it. It represents probably some of the best writing I've done. The writing part is really deeply important to me. Um, Joe and I made it together and we recorded it in my living room in my house with equipment we borrowed from friends and Joe mixed it. And then we had it mastered by the same guy who mastered my last album. And, uh, it sounds so good. It sounds so good and full. We borrowed a friend's drum kit. So there's cymbals and stuff on it. Um, I didn't, I just got a tenor guitar and the tenor guitar is not on it. And I regret that, but like, Hmm. it sounds great. It sounds great. I like to write really simple songs. My songs usually don't have a chorus or a refrain or anything like that. Like usually they're just a poem that I modified to be a song. Oh, so, I mean, 
you're speaking to my heart there as a poet. <laughs> I don't care about that stuff. I just want to make like a nice song. So yeah. I have to like worry about conventions and worry about like, oh, C is on all these. I don't stop. Like I, I'm just enjoying making this. One of my favorite things about some of your songs is how, well, one, how pleasant they sound. And then sometimes oh. it is just so juxtaposed with the content that is not always the most rosy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's definitely my style. And then there, and then every now and again, there's a swear word, and I'm like, oh, I did not expect that, but this is so wonderful. Still, <laughs> there's a there's a song on this new record that I wrote after researching what happens to you when you drown. I spent oh. a month like getting real deep about like because I heard that you see colors and like you feel like you're tripping and so I wanted hmm. to know like is that I had heard that so I was like is this true so I looked up a bunch of like firsthand stories about drowning and it was really fascinating and then I wrote a bunch of writing about it and so now I this song is called you'll see colors and it's like a really cheery kind of a march of a song and I get it stuck in my head all the time and like so in my head sometimes it's like on your lungs They'll be crushed under the weight of all the water. And that's like a really fucked up, like happy thing to say. We just did a video for that. And the video is like of a really happy party too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love it because it sounds so happy and joyful. But then you're like, but you're going to (laughs) die. Yeah. You're like, wait a second. (laughs) Fantastic. I love that. I love, I always feel that way. I'm really interested in duality and the way that like, like there's happiness and there's joy and joy has an undercurrent of pain because you can't Mm -hmm. feel like true joy unless you have felt true pain. And so like anytime I feel really happy about something, I feel like a slice cut through me of like, but also pain. And so really interested in that in general and I'm interested in like how often sensitive people walk that tightrope and like I definitely walk that tightrope and so like a lot of songs are like that kind of experiential thing but also like I've been reading a lot about North Korea too and like I just saw this video of horses like (laughs) you know that'll happen it's funny because the duality thing like I wrote my so the second release I did was about the duality of defiance and obedience. And I looked at, well, I looked at stuff in the Bible and I looked at my own life and I pondered like what it means to be a defiant person, what it means to be an obedient person and kind of played with that. And the new full length I'm working on is I'm looking at dualities of like five different um, like stages of life, I feel, and it's. Uh, I'm glad to hear that you 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 also dwell on those dualities because like I get so stuck on them, and it's like one of the coolest things that like directs my um, directs a lot of my writing. Yeah, creativity. No. It. I. Yeah, I'm pretty obsessed with that. Also, like not nature metaphors, but like. Um, I guess texture, like the texture of the outside and stuff, like what 
one of the lines on one of the songs is like, don't you want to wait for an arrow in the ground to pierce your little fingers when you dig it out? Like stuff like that, like feeling soil and smelling soil. Like I think a lot about that stuff too. Yeah. (laughs) Well, is that, is that also a connection to what, where the title comes from? Um, yeah. One of the lines in the song Oxblood is, I, this is my favorite song in the album. Um, and it's, don't you want to eat honey? Don't you want to taste mud? Don't you want to take away your name? And it's a song mm-hmm. about, like, the animal instinct that lives in you and how tempting it is and how easy it is for us to just slide back into that in many ways. And, like, how hard it is in many other ways. All right, let's take a quick commercial break so that you can hear some tunes from Francesca's band, House Sparrow. Now that there's an official name behind this two-person band, they are releasing their very first album under the name House Sparrow. The album is called Eat Honey, Taste Mud, and it comes to you. Thanks to the great folks at Sounds and Tones Records. We've shared some of their bands in the past. And now I'm excited to play you a new song from the House Sparrow album, Eat Honey, Taste Mud. The song is titled White Horse in Spring. If you like what you hear, please go to housesparrowmusic.bandcamp.com. Throw them some money. Buy a CD. Buy a digital copy. However you ingest music. Uh, just support local music. Support up-and-coming bands. That's what all, That's all I ask of you. And now here is White Horse and Spring by House Sparrow. In another life I was your wide running pony You think I just gallop and that I don't pray You think that all living goes just one direction The wreath around my neck never gets in the White Horse and Spring by House Sparrow. If you like what you heard, visit housesparrowmusic.bandcamp.com and make sure to check out their new album, Eat Honey, Taste Mud, which is out this Friday. Now, let's get back to our conversation with Francesca Olsen and wrap it up. So you're my first guest that has a music and higher ed connection. So congrats on being that first. 
<laughs> but you're my second whose focus is on social media. And some of what I heard in my first conversation on social media is one of the ways we can really connect with students is by having some students influence the way we do our social media. Yes, that is correct. I would say yes. that's correct. <laughs> I agree with that. If you have any, if you would like to expand on that or have further suggestions. Um, so, yes, if you can't, I, this is how I say it to, to older people. I'm like, okay, we can't take a tone that's like, hey, kids, check it out. Because that sucks. That's boring and pandering. Um, it's in the way that I'm doing my social media, I'm like doing the top level marketing. So I'm not necessarily just addressing students. So like we're apart from that, but like for the Snapchat, for things when it's really club or organized or organization heavy, like, and it's student run, I want photos and experiences from those people. Or at least I have two interns this year. I'm so excited. They're both wonderful. Um, and also so polite. And they are great photographers, and one of them is great at video, and one of them is great at graphic design. So, like, I have two new MCLA Snapchat filters that my that Zach Benjamin, my intern, made. Um, my intern, Masood Karras, just made, like, a Facebook video header for us. Like, I'm always like, you should Snapchat the thing when you're at the thing. Um, I can't – I never – my my hard and fast policy is Francesca – and anyone older never uses this MCLA Snapchat. It's only a student that's doing that. That's so great. <laughs> and it's funny because my office didn't have a Snapchat. And this year, the two students that I have working for me right now, they were both just like, hey, let's get a Snapchat. I'm like, all right, you guys are running it, though, because yes, they I don't do with this. They do I, not care I, about my perspective. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't care about my perspective. You want to see your friends. You don't want to think that, like, I'm home reading your stories, which, by the way, I am not. I Exactly. Not. Um, that's your business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just, like, it's, I don't want to advertise to our internal audience. I want to celebrate what is happening and, like, convey information. Exactly. It's almost as though if someone were to stumble upon your, uh, your platforms, like a, a potential, um, like like, uh, like a, a potential student, like someone looking at the university, just stumbles upon the social media, and then sees how much the students are having fun and the cool stuff that they're doing. They'll be like, "Oh, tight! I could go here. I could see yeah. myself going there." Yeah, and if you see, like, um, for where we are, MCLA is a very diverse campus. Like, I think we have like. And we're also really good at graduating students uh, with Pell Grants or students from really like low income backgrounds. And I'm really proud of that. I think that's awesome. Like mm-hmm. there, we have so many first gen students. And if you're a student that comes from that similar background and you see like other, other people that like are like you in the, in the just general story of what's going on, that says so much to you. Like, like why we need women superheroes and shit you're like that's of course you're gonna want to see like oh i can do that too like of course exactly like 
My campus is incredibly diverse. Like we're a minority minority majority campus, which is not a common thing in the country. And so we have a lot of international students. We have a lot of black students. We have a lot of students who are uh, Middle Eastern, who uh, are from all over the world. And they don't want to just see my white ass sitting in my office. (laughs) Like they want to see the true culture that does exist on our campus. They want to see that life. And it's funny because like, some of our um, Indian students are practicing uh, a dance. They're practicing a performance in the campus center the other day. And I was just like, Hey, do you all mind if we like share some of this? Cause this is awesome. And they were like, yeah, please do. They were like, of course I don't mind. I love that. Yeah. It's super great. And it's good too. When you see like MCLA has like 50 clubs for 16, 1700 students. So like, it's wonderful to be like, look at this incredibly vibrant LGBTQIA plus community, or like, look at this women's center that's kicking ass all the time. Like this is here already. And it's like structured and support for you. Yeah. It's here built in just for you. It's literally like, you can just hop right on board. Oh, that's great. Okay. Let's, Wrap this up with a quick lightning round. Okay. Crash. Lightning. Okay. (laughs) Now, I'm just going to ask you some random questions, and I'd love to hear a little bit more about you as a person. Your favorite color? Um, never really think about it. I guess blue. Tight. Favorite food? Um, like, nice heritage-based Italian cooking like my mom makes for sure oh yeah that's that's like the home cooking you know yeah that's my that's my people's food nice um do you have a favorite book all time and maybe even something you're reading right now Ooh, a favorite book of all time probably I read 1984 by George Orwell every year I try to stay sharp okay so I would say that. And I just read a really good book called Without You, There Is No Us by Suki Kim. And it's about, she was an English teacher in North Korea for two years, right around the time Kim Jong-il died. And it is an astounding book full of really unique perspective about North Koreans. Like, And you mm. never hear about the North Korean people as individuals ever or interact no. with them. So that was a really great read i read that in like a day it was really good dang that's really cool i hadn't heard about that i'm gonna check that out yeah really good uh what are some podcasts you're listening to my favorite podcast is reply all which is i'm so good um about the internet a podcast about the internet uh hmm. which is it's so good it's like already won a couple of peabodies it oh is cool always fascinating and always like a new angle and i always learn something and I really like 99% Invisible with Roman Mars because he re- he does tiny, like, 20-minute segments about stupid, weird, crazy design-related stuff. Like, he did one about a phone booth that used to exist in the middle of the desert in, the in like, the Nevada, Arizona area. Or he'll do, like, why amphitheaters always have such terrible sound but, like, are always so beautifully built. Like, and that's really interesting, too. It's it's uh interesting because I keep 
I haven't actually subscribed to 99% Invisible, what I'm literally doing right now, because this past week, uh, or last week, uh, the West Wing Weekly featured a 99% Invisible um, uh, episode that had to do with, um, uh, what are they called, um, challenge coins from the, in the military. Yeah. 99% and the makes its own coins yeah and so, so and so the way <laughs> yeah it's super neat and so, and so the west wing weekly is actually doing it too and so i was just so fascinated by that and so i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna check this out and i needed a couple new pods because i'm kind of caught up on all the ones that i've been listening to so um podcasts have been what i listen to when i run lately Weird. Oh, i often will do that at the gym i like that yeah, it helps me like not f- not get off my pace when I'm listening to like faster music and stuff. It can throw me off. So talking is better for me. I found um, cool. So fav- do you have a so- favorite like social media platform that you like to use? Um, ugh, I guess Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> you did not. For someone who is on social media for a job, you don't sound like you like social media. I'm on it constantly I just like and then and then when I'm home I feel like I'm on it constantly too and I'm just like oh get away I just but it's so important and it does a lot of good and bad okay okay hold another podcast about that yeah I mean I also love Instagram it's like where I tend to gravitate and spend most of my time I've created I look at memes there you go there you go um now to wrap it up i always end with this one on the lightning round but do you have a favorite band or maybe even favorite album right now that you're listening to um my favorite band of all time is guided by voices i love guided by voices nice um and right now i'm listening to the older always record like all the time oh um the one that came out in 2013 which i'm gonna look up the name for i like i've never heard about this band I found out like last month about this band and really, yeah, I love Interesting. them. Oh my God, yeah, I no, their 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 first album was uh, self titled, I believe. Yeah, it is self titled. All these, and they just put out one. It's called it's anti. Called... Yeah, it's called like antisocial or something. I yeah. love that band. It's like um, it's like Bell and Sebastian meets Ted Leo, and those are two bands I love too. Yeah, I actually just saw Ted Leo last week at the Chris Gethard I show. Love I love him. I saw he was him, super nice. I saw him in an intimate show solo at Mass Mocha a couple of years ago, and I got to sit so close, and he, I, I cried. Oh, I love him. Also, Aww, his, voice that's so great. his voice is so deep. Yeah, he was uh, actually losing his voice when because he was getting sick, so he... Uh, was drinking like pineapple juice because Laura Jane Grace of Against Me told him to, and it wasn't working. <laughs> oh well. Now before we close out, is there anything else you want to hype, or how can people get a hold of you? Um, you can. The entry point is to please, for the love of God, like my band's Facebook page, Facebook.com/slash Band or HouseFarrowBand.com. Um, also I run a small blog that's just like DIY in the 150 mile radius for me called digital leap pace. 
And uh, you, anybody in the world can send reviews or send records to be reviewed to it. And I post show announcements too. So if you have a show announcement in like the Vermont, Berkshire, Pioneer Valley, Capital Region, Hudson Valley area, and you want like a little plug for that, get at me too. Digitalbpace at gmail.com. Nice. Got those plugs in there. Thank like you. It. Yeah. And uh, October 20th, pick it up, eat honey, taste mud. Pre-order uh, now. Or pre-order. <laughs> yeah. You guys doing it on CD? Uh, yeah, we. I got some CDs. I got them in the mail today. Oh, snap already? How's that feel? Oh, it feels all right. I try not, I'm like so, anytime I start feeling like a really, like a higher than base level emotion, I'm like, no, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> See, and I write a lot of, like each time I write an album, it's like to kind of move on or to process something that's happened in my life. So each time I get the physical copies, it's always like, okay, we're done. <laughs> that's nice. No, I'm just like, okay, well, now here comes the marketing part. Like, Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for spending the, spending your evening with me, Francesca. I really appreciate it. Right. This was super fun and uh, I appreciate it very much. Well, there it is. There you have it. Another episode of the Edupunks podcast complete. We did it. Episode 18 in the books. I'm amazed. Honestly, like that's pretty sweet. I just realized I've been doing this for what? Four, five, four months now. Dang, that's so cool. To all of you who've been here since the very first episode. Thank you so much. Thank you to Francesca Olson for hanging out with me uh, for this episode. Learned a whole lot about her, or a whole whole lot about her music, a whole lot about her work. And I'm very thankful that she's willing to spend her time and share it with all of you as well. If you liked what you heard, please go to housesparrowmusic.bandcamp.com and get a copy of Eat Honey, Taste Mud by House Sparrow. You can check out all of the tunes it comes out this friday you can get a cd you can get a digital copy or you can listen to one of the songs that we are going to be leaving you with at the end of this podcast uh, called ox blood but for now you can pre-order it and friday you can hear all of it thanks to sounds and tones records and if you would like to help out Half Access, go to halfaccess.org and help them amass their venue accessibility uh, database. It'd be really helpful for them, for Cassie, and making sure that folks who are not able-bodied are able to go to concerts like the rest of folks who are able-bodied. Make this stuff accessible. Make it equitable. Let's do this together. Come on. What is music without community? It's nothing. We got to help each other out. Come on. Let's do this. All right. If you want to follow me, go to at Craig Bittedman on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram. That's how you'll find me. You'll find the podcast at EdgyPunksPod. And yeah, pretty easy. Uh, That's all I've got now. I'm going to leave you with one more little bit of a tune called Ox Blood by House Sparrow. And I'll see you all next week. Let's get to work. Don't you.